Hey, this is Jim Larrabee. I'm the lead pastor here at First Christian Church, and this is our podcast. My prayer is that the words you hear encourage you, that they challenge you, that they build your faith and draw you closer to Jesus. So, enjoy. Hey, good morning, church. How are you guys doing today? Doing yeah, I tell you what. Hey, it, it is good to be back. Uh, I was out last Sunday, kind of a last-minute deal. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, the Rona, uh, COVID kind of ran through the family, and I was totally last man standing. I mean, I was doing it all, feeding the kids Cocoa Pebbles, but we were getting through while everybody was down, and, and then Saturday, boom, it, it popped me, and I was like, dang it, so obviously couldn't be here last Sunday, but all, we're all good now. We're doing a baby dedication. Those guys just got terrified. What? You're not getting anywhere near my child. No, no, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, so we are, uh, we're all good and everything else. But Pastor Josh stepped in and knocked it out of the park. Uh, the message on worry. If you missed it, make sure you go back and check it out. It was amazing. And so I, I love it when our pastors are speaking and get to share their heart about what's going on. Which, by the way, they're doing the youth thing out there, the, the car wash, if you want to be connected to that. A lot of great stuff happening and going on. And of course, we do have a baby dedication. So I'm glad to be back for this to be able to do it. So I want to invite our family to come on up. Uh, this is Andrew and Amber Lopez, and they have, they're dedicating two kids today, Ariel and AJ. I said Andrew, like it's Andrew Jr., but it's AJ. And so that's, that's how it is. And so they're all going to come up here. And I think, I think uh, friends, family too, if you want to go come up, you totally can. And this is awesome. I'm going to move this out of the way. I love baby dedications. They are awesome and amazing. And it's a great chance to be able to, to dedicate not only families, moms and dads, but kids and all the people that support them. Just dedicate them to God and ask God to do amazing things in their heart and life. So I'm going to go on this side so you guys get a better look at it over here. So there you go. Um, so uh, I have a few questions for you. One, do you see AJ and Ariel as absolute gifts from God? Yes, we do. We've prayed for them and I feel that they're miracles. Oh, I, I love that. And I was actually uh, asking Amber, you know, what, do you, what is your hope for your kids? And she's like, I, I, both of us, we want them to grow up in the love and the grace and understanding of God, which is no better thing for, for families to want for their children, which is absolutely amazing. So let me ask you, just as mom and dad, are you committed uh, to being the kind of people where you're reflecting God's love and grace into the, uh, into the lives of your kids? Yes, uh, that's something we really want to do for them. We feel that's important in our lives. Perfect. Especially in our lives. And coming here, we feel much closer to God. I love it. that connection. I love that, man. I love how God is working with you guys because how you are is exactly what gets reflected to these guys. And so we obviously, Miss Ariel and uh, Mr. AJ, we're going to be praying and asking God to do amazing, incredible things, anointing on your heart and your life. But it's also a church family. Church family, uh, do you commit to support this family when you see them, that you pray for them, that you encourage them? I know she was saying, Ariel, that I love being in, in children's ministry. It's amazing. It's my church. And so when, when we do anything that we're supporting all of these families and what they do, do you commit to support them in this journey? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love that you have people with you, people that have got your back, people that are here with you basically saying, we are not letting you do this alone. And that's a beautiful picture. And so I'm just going to, I'm just going to kneel down and put my hand on both of these guys right here and ask God's anointing on Ariel and AJ. Father, can I see, can I hold your hand right here? Is it perfect? Dude. 
Do you like a little finger thing? Cool. Oh, I love it. That's all, just your pinky. That's good enough. So, Father, thank you so much for Ariel. Love her heart. She is an amazing, amazing girl. I can see joy and life in her face, which is incredible. You anoint her with the strength of Ruth and the and the uh, just compassionate heart of Mary and just the 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 wisdom of God in her life that she grows up to be this amazing, incredible leader, uh, bringing hope and life everywhere she goes. Father, so I pray that anointing. I pray that blessing on her that she is an incredible woman of God in your kingdom. And I pray for AJ. How's he doing? Pretty good. And he's hanging in. I pray for AJ that you anoint him with strength, that he has just the leadership of Joshua in his heart and his life, that you bring him just the, the wisdom of Moses, that he has everything that he needs to be the man of God that you're calling him to be. And as these two grow up as brother and sister, that you give them the ability to care for each other and to love each other and be kind to each other and always do everything to help point each other to who God is. And so you do that amazing work. And that you just draw mom and dad together. That they have this amazing relationship that always reflects Jesus and everything that they do. The ups and downs, Father, you just put your hand upon this family in a very powerful and real way. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Love it. Thanks, guys. All right, so there, there is a lot going on this weekend. Obviously, it is, it is Memorial Weekend, and, and I know Memorial Weekend tends to be the weekend that we just do stuff. Like, hey, we're barbecuing, you know, we're going to the beach, you know, we're, we're going to check out the Top Gun sequel, you know, I feel a need. The need for speed. Some of you need to watch the first movie before, maybe before you even come to church next week, you know, just the whole thing. So anyway... Sorry, AJ. I'll try to keep it down. Uh, so as you go out doing the fun things this weekend, remember this, is that Memorial Day is a time when we can reflect on those who gave everything, who gave their lives so that we could do what we're doing right now. We would not be here as a church without those that sacrificed so that we could have this freedom. And so remember that as you're teaching your kids, as you're, as you're out having fun, enjoy the weekend. It's an amazing weekend, but always remember what people gave so that we have this freedom. It is amazing. But it has been bought with a price. And so, anyways, thank and just I appreciate all those folks that, that are in the military too. They do a great job. But this is the weekend, remember those who gave everything. So, anyway, that's Memorial Weekend, uh, celebrating that. And obviously, let me just give just a real quick um, heads up too. I never want to just gloss over the things that are going on in our country. Intense week, especially in Texas. And I know a lot of things are happening there. And, and I just want to say this when evil raises its head, and evil will raise its head. I'd love to say this is the last evil moment that we will see in our country, but it is not. Know this, is that we as Christians, we don't have to live in fear. We don't live in fear. We live in faith and hope of our God that even in the darkness and tragedies of life, he can come through. He can hold us and he can carry us. And so I, I just want to say some statements that I, I just want to remind us of, especially in light of this week. One, God's goodness is real. Even when things are, don't, don't look great, I, God's goodness is still real. He's, he's still a real God who still meets us in even the darkest places, that his love never fails. I've been praying all week that God's love just wraps these families up and these, and these people up and our country up. And also, I think the most important thing is this, is that prayer is still 
powerful. There's a whole movement against prayer right now. I don't want to hear your prayers. Well, my friend, you want to hear Christians pray because absolutely our prayers make a difference. Be on your knees before God asking his heart and his wisdom to be on our leaders and be on our country and to be on people and to be on our laws as we, as we engage in, in the truth and the power that God has given us. So make sure you're praying, make sure you're engaging. Our world needs that. Sometimes we're talking about, hey, what do I need? Well, I tell you, what our world needs is they need us engaging in prayer with our God to bring his heart and his peace back to the forefront of our country. Amen? Amen. So anyway, so a lot's going on, a lot's happening. Let's kind of reel it back into a, to our message this morning. Uh, jumping back into the series, we're still going to be here for a couple of weeks. And I'll go ahead and tell you to kind of buckle up this morning. We're, we're, we're doing something a little bit deeper because I want to make sure I'm not just glossing over the top of this series of knowing God. I mean, the title of the series is In the Beginning God. And some of you may think, oh, it's a study in Genesis. Well, it's a study in who God is. It's a study in, in what he's about. And as we discover God, we discover these deeper things about who we are and how we can connect with him. And so this morning, we're, we're not just going to be in the book of Genesis. We're actually going to flip to the New Testament, and we're going to be in the book of John. So if you've got your Bibles or Bible apps, you can go there. We'll hit there in a little bit. John chapter 1 is where uh, we're going to launch out of here in just a few moments. But before I do, let me give you just a quote. A quote from a guy that you probably heard about in high school and thought you would never, ever hear again. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I'm bringing him back. His name is uh, uh, Basel Pascal, and he is the father of modern probability. You know, you know that statement, so, you, so, so you're saying there's a chance? Well, even though that wasn't a movie, it started with, with this guy right here. He's, he's, he did all that probability stuff. In the 1600s, he literally invented the first mechanical calculator. He's, he got tired of going one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and he invented a calculator, which is really, really cool. He did a lot of other stuff. So, so we can just say this guy was smart dude, smart dude. Well, he made this bold statement. This really smart scientist dude made this really bold statement. Here's what he said. It is not only impossible, but useless to know God without Christ. Pretty bold, pretty bold in the 1600s, and it's really bold to even say that now, that it's not only impossible, but, but actually just useless to know God without Christ. Why is that? I, I want to unpack that this morning, because the disciples had the same kind of question. They, they were journeying with Jesus, and Jesus was doing all these amazing things, all this cool stuff. And so a couple of them came up to Jesus, and Jesus, we just got one, we've got one request, just one thing we want to ask you to do. And you read about that request in John chapter 14 when they simply say this, Jesus, can you just show us the Father? We, we know you're dialed in. We know you know God. Can you just show, if you just let us see God, that will be enough. It's a pretty legit request, right? Hey, can you, just let us see God. Jesus says, just, just pull back the curtain, let's see God, and we'll be, it'll be good. We'll follow you forever. And what does Jesus say in response to that? John 14, 9 Guys, guys, if you have seen me, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And I think a critical truth for us in this series, because we're learning a lot about God and who God is and, and all those pieces of his heart and his nature, but understand this, that to know God, you've got to know Jesus Christ. 
In fact, if you want to know God, you look at him. Our purpose is to know God, to know his strength and his peace and his hope and and all of those things. But understand this, it's not just knowing about God, it's understanding that we know God through Jesus Christ. And that's the big shift. That's the big shift of Christianity. That's the, that's the thing that Jesus wanted people to understand. You want to see God? You want to see God? You, you want to see who he is, his heart, his nature, his character? Then just look at me. And I would propose that same question. You want to see who God is? You want to understand him? You, you want to know what he thinks? You want to, you want to know what he would do in, in certain situations? Then just read the New Testament and you see Jesus time after time after time reflecting the very heart and nature of who God is. In fact, Jesus will, will go on to say that, that he is God himself. He says, you want to see God? I am him. I'm the one. And that can be a wrestle point for some of us. There's some folks that when you say Jesus is God, they're like, Jim, I don't know if I can get my mind around that. I mean, I mean, I get Jesus is fully human, right? But, but to be fully human and fully God, uh, my brain, uh, train wreck. I, just, I, can't, I can't put those two things together, which I get. Some of you can, and you're like, Jim, that is no challenge to me whatsoever. I am a thinker upon thinkers, and I can totally comprehend 100% God, 100% man. Good for you. <laughs> I wrestle. Sometimes I wrestle with that, man, 100% God, 100% man. How, how, did, how did he live life? How did that even happen? But, it, but it's so important to make sure that we understand he was both. You, you can't just put Jesus over here in this box and say he was fully God, but not really human. You know, he was, he was God, but he, he just, no, he didn't really, no, not human, not really Because when we do that, here's what we say. We say that Jesus really, as a human, didn't experience pain. He didn't experience suffering. He didn't experience trials. Those temptations, those weren't really temptations. Jesus wasn't really hungry. Jesus didn't really struggle. And so if you just put Jesus in the box that he was 100% God but not really human, then you make him out of touch with you and I. And one of the most beautiful things I know in scripture is Jesus over and over and over again says, I get it. I get it. I understand. I understand your pain. Your struggle, I get it. You, you lost your dad, I lost mine too. You know, you, you, you're going through heartache. I've, I've been through heartache. You, you are hungry and struggling. You have people misunderstand you. Mm, I have people misunderstand me all the time. All of those things that, that we wrestle with and struggle with, Jesus struggled with because he wasn't just fully God. He was also human. Now, some people go the other way. They're like, Jim, I can't not, no, no. I'm, he, he was fully human, but he wasn't really God. And if you put Jesus in that box, you have a really good guy. You have a really awesome prophet. You know, you have a, you have a great, you know, you know, somebody to celebrate at Christmas and Easter. Yeah, you kind of, I'll, I'll go to that holiday too. You know, it's just, but if you're making fully man and not God, what do you do? You simply erase salvation. You, you, you make his death mean nothing because it was just a good man who died. And no good man can erase you and I sin. It takes the God of the universe to, to go to a cross and die to do that work. So here's Jesus in this crazy supernatural way, 100% God, king of the universe, and 100% man having experienced our ups and downs and sorrows just like we are so that he can walk with us. 
And both those natures, both those natures existed in perfect balance with each other. That's that's the mystery of the carnation, in in, incarnation, that's milk. That's the mystery of the incarnation. Uh, And we don't even think about it at Christmas sometimes. Like, oh, I love me some Christmas and oh, yeah, yeah. But there's a mystery there. There's a mystery of God becoming man. And we don't even think about it sometimes. The angels, you see it in what the angels said to the shepherds. They show up. And they're like, hey, we got good news. Remember this? Shepherds on the hillside watching their flocks by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord appeared upon them. And and they were sore afraid. And so anyway, here's what the angel said. For unto you, talking to the shepherds. For unto you is born this day in the city of David. A what? A savior who is Christ the Lord. God. God is here. God has arrived. Go see the Lord. Go see God himself. Well, 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 how will we find him? This God will be a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger. God of the universe left the throne, all of creation, to lay in a feeding trough, to be a little hungry, to be a little cold, to be a little stinky, (laughs) all of those things. Why, my friend? Because of his great love for you. And, And he took all of that. He took all of his godhood and all of his humanity and he existed as a human being living this life for us. And you see that all through the scripture, right? You see the incarnation at play, the God, the, the, the man interacting with each other. You know, he was born to a poor Jewish family in a barn in a nowhere town. Why? Because he was human, but he was born of a virgin, supernaturally conceived, fulfilling some 300 Old Testament prophecies along the way. Why? Because he was God. He lived a life of both joys and sorrows because he was human, but he lived that life in perfection without sin because he was God. He was frustrated. You know, Jesus got frustrated. You ought to read some of the stories in the New Testament, man. Jesus, Jesus got frustrated. He especially got frustrated with people's lack in faith of God. What? You don't, you don't believe God? You don't trust God? Man, what does he have to do to, to prove that he is who he is? He would get frustrated with people's lack of faith. Why? And because he was human, but he still taught and preached and did miracles to show the goodness of God all day long because that's who he was. He was God himself. His death on the cross, it was real. He didn't swoon. He didn't pass out. He didn't just like, I'm going to close my eyes for a little bit and hold my breath. None of that. He died on a cross. Why? Because he was human. But he rose again on the third day because he is God. And my friend, he's coming back again to establish his kingdom on earth because he's always been, always been, always been Emmanuel. God with us. And that's a beautiful picture of who Jesus is. And then it makes him unique, completely unique and different of all of history. You can go study every religion that you want to study. Just just look at them all. And you won't find any God, any religious leader that is like Jesus Christ. He's unique in all of history. He's he's unique in all of religion. It's It's what makes Christianity so special. It's Jesus Christ himself. And if you don't believe that, just look at Rome. 
in the time when Jesus you know, lived and born and was crucified and all that kind of stuff, Rome. If you know anything about Rome, here's what you know. Rome loved all the gods. We don't, we don't get that picture from Christianity because Christians were persecuted, but in, in a traditional Roman day, they loved every God. You got a God, love him. You got a God, love him. You, you, you got a brand new God. It's the God of in and out. You know, we celebrate him through burgers and fries. Sweet. Let's, yes, we will worship him. You know, the, so if you had a God, they would conquer a country and they would take their gods and they would just bring them in. Okay, you just, oh, this is more, the more the merrier. They did that with every religion except Christianity. Why? It wasn't because Christians were these immoral people that nobody liked. No, Christians were actually some of the most moral people in all of Rome. They were good people that people cared about, that people loved. They thought Christians were good people. The reason that they could not accept Christianity is because they couldn't make Jesus fit into their system. Jesus could not ever be one of many. He could only be the one and only. And when Rome began to figure that out, Jesus is the one and only. Jesus Jesus has got to stand above the emperor. Jesus has got to stand above all these gods. There is no other God but Jesus. And when they began to discover that, they got angry. And they began to do something. They began to kill all these Christians that were talking about Jesus Christ. And they tried and tried and tried to stamp it out and to reject him by killing Christians. But in spite of all of that, what happens? We know the story, right? The church blossoms. The church just explodes. It grows. Why? (laughs) Why? Because I'm telling you, Jesus is real. Paul says this, greater is he that is in you, and he's talking about Jesus, than he that is in the world. He will go on to add these words, for me to live is Christ. For me to live in this world with Jesus is amazing and it's incredible. But if I have to die for my beliefs, if I have to die for for what I, I know and who I know Jesus is, then it, my friend, is gain. There's a guy, his name was Polycarp. Uh, he, was, he was a great Christian leader, and he'd, he'd, uh, he'd served Jesus as a, a leader in the church for like 86 years. And he was an older dude, almost 90, uh, and Rome was coming in, and they started killing Christians, and, and they grabbed Polycarp, and, and they're about to arrest him, and someone came up and, and ratted it out and said, hey, Rome, they're going to show up, they're going to arrest you. Polycarp, come with me, you know, we'll, we'll save you, Polycarp, we'll, we'll get you out of here, man, you know, and, and Polycarp said, no, I'm not going to go. In fact, he stands in the middle of, of the town square when the Romans are coming in and they arrest him and they say, hey, hey, you, you, you need to recant who this Jesus is. You need to recant who he is. We're, we're going to hurt you. We're going to kill you. We're going to torture you. And, and Polycarp's words all through it all are simply this. Eighty and six years have I served Christ and he's never let me down once. How could I in this one moment ever let him down today and gave his life and he gave his life for what he believed that's that's the power of knowing jesus christ and we talk about knowing god that's cool but this is the power of knowing who jesus christ is knowing his heart knowing knowing his word knowing how much he transforms our lives it's one of the reasons when you, when you look at the New Testament, it's kind of interesting. I don't know if you've ever thought about it or not. There's like four books in the New Testament that tell one story. 
Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all the same story. Sometimes you're like, man, that story again? Okay, can we do something new? Can we do what four books in the, in the Bible, in the New Testament, that tell the same story, the story of Jesus. Why? Because that story changes lives. Matthew tells the story to a group of Jewish people who know the Old Testament, so he includes all the lineages. If you look in the beginning, it's like an Isaac begot Steve and Steve begot. You know, just all the, I don't, know, I don't remember the names. They just left me. COVID brain. So anyway, so, you know, that whole, you know, just all the begots and the Jewish people, they'd eat it up. They'd be like, yeah, yeah, man, give me some prophecies and some lineages. And yeah, I love this stuff. I see that Jesus is God. But then you have Mark, Matthew, Mark, the next guy, he writes a book, but he doesn't write to the Jewish people. He's like, ah, you guys got a book that tells the Jesus story. You know what? I'm going to write to the Gentiles and Gentiles have an attention span of about 10 seconds, which is still true to this day. And so when you read Mark, I don't know if you've ever done this. When you read Mark, it's like, and Jesus did this, and Jesus did this, and Jesus did this, and Jesus did this. If you only read Mark, you would think Jesus and the disciples never slept. I mean, just to be like, yeah, we're doing another thing. Yeah, we're doing another thing. What was Mark trying to do? He was trying to get people to understand that Jesus was the God who would get her done. Man, he was this, woo, you had a problem, Jesus fixed it. He was this amazing, amazing God that would change lives. Luke, you would Luke, uh, I don't know if you've ever read the whole book of Luke, but Luke is the thinker processor guy. He's the guy that's like, you know, you put on the glasses, let's talk you know, kind of the thing. And so he writes, and, and, and he, he writes these words at the very beginning of his letter. I write to you, O most excellent Theophilus. Uh, I write to you so that you can be certain. So let's just ponder and think about these things. So if you're a processor in the house and you want to know about Jesus, read, read Luke. It's a great book that processes you through the stories of Jesus. And of course, then there's John. I love John because John, John's the heart guy. He's the eyewitness. He was there. He saw it all. He's like, yeah, that, I saw it. That, I saw it. That, I did it. And I saw it. Yeah, I was there. I saw all of it. And so John is sharing his heart, all of these experiences, because here he is wanting people to get it. What does he want people to get? That Jesus is God. I mean, this was a, was a multi-religion, multi-belief culture, and everybody was embracing everything about all of it. There, there was no concrete truth. There was no, there was no concrete, you know, hey, this is, this is what it is. There was none of that stuff. And John, in the middle of all that diversity, said, I have one truth to tell you, and that truth is this. Jesus himself is God of the universe. In fact, it's how he opens his book in, uh, in John chapter one. I, I love this. It kind of mimics Genesis chapter one, but here's what John says. He just opens with this. He says, in the beginning, in the beginning, when everything started, you ready? In the beginning was the word and the word, the word was with God and the word was God. And people are like, who's the word? Who's he talking about? And, and he's going to explain that in verse 14. And the word became flesh. And dwelt among us, and we've seen his glory, the glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. That word was Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, he was the creative essence of God. He made God's heart and will and thoughts happen. When God spoke, Jesus made it happen. 
And you even see that in the story of Jesus' life. Jesus would go on and people would say, hey, Jesus, why are you doing that? I'm doing the will of the Father. Jesus, why are you doing that? I am doing the will of the Father. When Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane facing the cross, the most traumatic experience he can face, his humanity rose up and said, really? Do we really have to do this? And Jesus turns and says, Father, if there's any other way that we can make salvation happen for humanity, I'm open. (laughs) And then he ends that prayer by simply saying, nevertheless, not my will, but yours. Jesus has always been the will agent of God, bringing about his heart and his mind and his soul. You want to know the, you want to know the heart of God, then, then look at Jesus. You want to know the will of God, then follow Jesus. Because he is all of those things. He, he is the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and, and the word was God. And, and they were together in the beginning. Colossians actually even says it uh, deeper. It says this, that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. We can't see God the Father, but we can see Jesus. For by him, all things were created, heaven and earth, visible, invisible, thrones, dominions, authority. All those things were created. And Paul even goes on to write in Philippians, therefore God has highly exalted Jesus and bestowed on him the name above every name so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth and every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord God, the Father. I think one of the things that I do in this conversation about who Jesus is, is I stop and pause and ask the question, if Jesus is so high in the order of creation, If Jesus is so high in the order of how God has placed him, if Jesus is God himself, have I placed him at that high honor in my own life? Man, this is who he is. I think this is what John is doing. He's simply saying, hey, do do you really know who Jesus is? Because if you knew who he was, then in our thoughts, in our actions, our interactions, our feelings, our truth, we would place him in the highest spot of our life. And when, when Jesus is in the right spot in our heart and our soul, then he has the greatest influence in everything that we do. And I think sometimes that gets off in my own heart and my life. I, I kind of treat Jesus like a good guy, a good dude, a, 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 a nice person to talk about on Sunday. But, but in truth, he is God of the universe and he is Lord of my life. He's been placed above it all and every knee shall bow, including Mine. And then uh, John goes on to, to say these words in verse four, and in Jesus in him was life, and life, that life was the light of men. I've, I've said this before, I'll say it again, the problem of humanity isn't that we're bad and we need religion to make us good. We are spiritually dead and we need Jesus to make us alive again. And he brought that, he brought life, and that life was the light of men. And then I'll just... Out of time, I'll end with this last verse. And then he goes on to say this last thing in verse 14. And that word, Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. We've seen the glory of the only son from the father, full of grace and full of truth. What have we seen? We've seen God's glory in Jesus. We've seen God's true nature in Jesus. We've seen God's heart in Jesus. We've seen who God is because we've seen who Jesus is. So what is that glory? What is that nature? What is that truth? Simply this, that his forgiveness shines in the face of our sin. 
Scripture talks about how God casts our sin as far as the east is from the west to remember it no more. We sang a song about how how our sins are many, but what? God's mercy is more. And over and over and over again in the New Testament, Jesus talks about that truth. Remember this, the story of the, of the woman called in adultery? You know, hey, you know, who condemns you? Well, well, I don't condemn you either, but, but go and sin no more. In the face of some of our greatest sin, there is forgiveness that Jesus offers. That is God's nature and God's heart and God's glory. His, his redemption is, is there fixing our brokenness. His grace is there inviting us back to his kingdom. His plan is there overcoming our bad decisions. His, his presence goes with us. His peace settles us. And his truth always, always, always points us back to the Father. You want to know God this morning? I think we all do, right? Yeah, I'm here, Jim. I want to know God. He is found in Jesus Christ. For some of us that are Christians, that's just a great reminder, right? We live in a world that says truth is found in all these other places and all these other religions, and I'm here to tell you it is not. Truth and, and, and Godhood is found in Jesus Christ. He is the one and only, not the one and many. And, and we can hold on to that truth, and we can be secure in that. And, and maybe... If we're willing, we can yield to that. God, I just, I've forgotten that truth. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna yield my heart to you today. Maybe that's your moment as we're singing these songs. Just yield, just yielding to King Jesus. But if you've been on the fence, maybe about who Jesus is, and you, you know, he's a good guy. Yeah, Jim, I love you. Talk about him. Hey, he's great at Christmas, and I, and I love him at Easter but you've been unsure, I'm here to tell you he is not only savior of the world, but he's king of all creation. And he wants to be in relationship with you. The mystery of the incarnation, you know why he did that? God in human flesh. He did it because he loved you. He didn't do it because he had to. He loved you and he wanted to bring you back into his kingdom. It is his great love that exists to draw you into relationship with him. And if you've never heard that, if you've never processed that, I want you to know that Jesus wants to be in relationship with you and all you gotta do is ask. Father, you've sent your son, Jesus. I believe he's God of the universe and I yield to him. That's the conversation. I I need forgiveness of sin. I'm broken. He he steps in and he starts working and all of that. Some of us need that relationship today. Don't leave here without it. We've got a prayer room. Love to pray with you. I'd love to pray with you. Introduce you to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior because he, my friend, is truly the answer to every question that we are ultimately asking in this life. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, and what, what really powerful truth, honestly, that Jesus isn't one of many. Jesus isn't just some good guy that we can talk about on Sunday. Some good person that we can remember. He's a God who is worthy of our worship. He's a God that calls us to yield. Take up our cross and to follow him daily. So Father, let, let today be the day that, that some of us just yield, even as Christians. Yeah, Jesus, I'm, I'm yielding again to your presence and to your truth and to your word. I'm, I'm laying down some stuff. I want to experience that forgiveness. I, I, I want that mercy to wash over me. And Father, we have that encounter with you this morning and, 
For those that don't know you, give them the strength and the courage to step in and just own Jesus as Savior. Father, do your greater work in our heart and our lives. We all come in here with stuff, with junk, with baggage. Just help us turn loose of that so we can have a powerful encounter with your presence and your goodness, but most of all with your grace. We love you and ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Ask all of these things in his name. Amen and amen. Hey, thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed today's podcast, don't forget to subscribe and share it with a friend. A special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. If you'd like to find out more information about giving or to see what's going on in the life of our church, please visit us at fccsantamaria.org. Thanks again for listening and God bless.